0: The Tudor's Dynasty Podcast. Hello everyone and welcome to Tudor's Dynasty. My name is James Taff and I'm a historian researching the Tudor royal household and the careers of its servants. I'll be asking who served Lady Jane Grey, the Nine Days Queen. Edward VI died on the 6th of July, 1553. In his will, the boy king nominated Lady Jane Grey as his successor. A few days later, On the 10th of July, Jane was conveyed by water to the Tower of London, and there received as Queen. In the Royal Barge, it was observed, there were two Duchesses, Frances Grey, the Duchess of Suffolk, Jane's mother, and Jane Dudley, the Duchess of Northumberland and Jane's mother-in-law, with other ladies attended by a great following. The next day, Imperial Ambassadors in England reported that Jane was at the Tower with her ladies and council, were these ladies to attend upon the new queen in her household. Certainly this echoes the procession of Jane Seymour, Henry VIII's third wife and the mother of Edward VI, who on the 4th of June 1536 was also accompanied by ladies when she travelled with the king by boat to Greenwich, where she was proclaimed queen. In his report, Sir John Russell identified these women as her own servants, among them ladies of her privy chamber, who were sworn that same day. Lady Jane Grey's accession, however, was far from secure. Although the Duke of Northumberland and the Privy Council had acknowledged her as their queen, Jane, like her predecessors, had to construct her queenship, and for this her household was of utmost importance. As Jane's arrival at the Tower would have been the first instance in which she would be openly shown and declared as queen to her subjects, it is likely that not only was she instructed on how to behave as queen, and dressed for the occasion, but also that a suitable if temporary entourage Fitting her new rank and status, would have been appointed. Jane would live like a queen, taking up residence in the royal apartments within the tower, attended by her servants. But who were these women? And where did they come from? As queen, Jane may have also spoken for women whom she knew personally to be appointed as her attendants. Previously, Jane was not of an age or status to require her own household, but she would have already retained a few of her own servants. Surely Jane also made acquaintances and forged relationships while she resided in the household of Thomas Seymour, Baron Seymour of Sudley, and Catherine Parr, the Queen Dowager, from early 1547 until the end of 1548. Jane was placed in the household when she was around 10 years old, where she spent time with the Queen Dowager and her own attendants. Upon Catherine's death in 1548, a grief-stricken Thomas considered disbanding his household, before resolving to keep it intact, with Jane there to remain with him. He wrote to her father, And therefore, putting my whole affiance and trust in God, have begun of new to establish my household, where shall remain not only the gentlewomen of the Queen's Highness Privy Chamber, but also the maids which waited at large, and other women being about her grace in her lifetime, with a hundred and twenty gentlemen and yeomen continually abiding in the house together. And therefore, Thomas continues, doubting lest your lordship might think any unkindness that I should take occasion to rid me of your daughter, the Lady Jane, so soon after the Queen's death, for the proof both of my hearty affection towards you and my goodwill to her, I am minded to keep her until I next speak with your Lordship. Here, Thomas makes it clear that he intended for Jane to keep the company of Catherine's gentlewomen and maids. It was in the Seymour Parr household where Jane is likely to have struck up a friendship with Anne, Lady Throckmorton. Anne was born Anne Carew, and she may have been the Mistress Carew, who served as a maid of honour to Catherine Parr from 1545 until her mistress's death in 1548. In around 1549, Anne married Sir Nicholas Frockmorton, who was also retained in Catherine Parr's household, as her sewer or server. Perhaps it was in the service of Henry VIII's sixth wife and queen that Anne and Nicholas first met. A few years later, in August 1553, when Edward Underhill was interrogated by the council, he identified Anne as one of the ladies attending upon Jane when she was proclaimed queen. It is also likely that it was in the Seymour Parr household that Jane met her gentlewoman, Mistress Jacob. When Jane was arrested and lodged on Tower Green in the custody of a gowler, she was visited by a man, likely Roland Lee, who sat down to dinner with the fallen queen and observed that Jane, being there present, she sitting at the board's end, was attended by Jacob, my lady's gentlewoman. Jacob is often described as Jane's nurse but this was not true, and it has been suggested that it was an invention of the late 17th century designed to highlight the poignancy of a young girl being locked in the tower. This Jacob could perhaps have been a relation of Nicholas Jacob, who served as one of Catherine's yeomen from 1545 to 1547. As queen, Jane should have been free to appoint whomsoever she wished to have as her a personal attendants, but due to the frenzied nature of her queenship, It is more likely that her women for this short tenure were the wives, mothers, daughters, nieces, and clientele of those men who had pledged their allegiance to Jane, many of whom had served in Edward VI's household and council. Unlike the female staff of the new Queen's household, the male staff, the gentlemen, yeomen, grooms, and pages, among others, could be drawn from Edward's household. Those who had served the now deceased boy king would surely have sought preferment. Some of these men, like Sir John Gates, formerly a gentleman of the king's privy chamber need not petition for their place in the new regime gates was clearly aligned with jane and as captain of the guard his support was significant as he could rally many others in the household to her side royal households functioned as the core military unit of the monarch a household in arms saw its servants muster men and arm them with weapons to prepare to fight on behalf of their royal master or mistress on the 9th of july gates summoned the archers and told them publicly of the king's death, and asked them to swear allegiance to the crown of England. And this they did. And he then declared to them that the king had taken measures by his will for the administration of the kingdom, and told them that they must repair to the tower the next day at noon, where to abide by the will. John Dudley, the Duke of Northumberland, delivered a rousing speech on the 13th of July to unite forces in the name of the queen. My lords, I and these other noble personages, and the whole army, that now go forth, as well for the behalf of you and yours as for the establishing of the Queen's Highness. The Duke continued, Shall not God count you innocent of our bloods, neither acquit you of the sacred and holy oath of allegiance made freely by you to this virtuous lady, the Queen's Highness, who by your and our enticement is rather a force placed therein than by her own seeking and request. The next day the Duke of Northumberland set out with his army, as did Gates with the household corps. Their allegiance was critical, Although Edward nominated Jane as his successor, his sister Mary was regarded by many to be the rightful heir to the English throne. Historians have argued that Mary's household provided crucial military support in the succession crisis of 1553 and played a central role in securing the throne for their mistress. Unlike Mary, Jane did not have her own household, nor did she have a core affinity as a landed magnate. Whereas Mary could call upon the loyalty of her servants, mobilised the tenants, retainers and neighbours of her estate, rallying support in East Anglia and the home Counties to challenge the existing regime. Jane lacked her individual magnetism, longevity and popularity in England. Although Jane was initially supported by members of the ruling elite, chief among them the Edwardian Privy Council, once it became apparent that Mary had the upper hand, Jane's supporters started to defect. Her councillors, out of fear or treachery, each in turn abandoned her. Her ladies, however, remained with Jane. Upon learning that Mary had declared herself as Queen and demanded that Jane's council renounce her, the Duchesses of Suffolk and Northumberland, reportedly, began to lament and weep. On the 19th of July, Anne, Lady Frockmorton, who had been at a christening at the nearby Church of All Hallows, had returned to the Tower to an ominous sight. The cloth of the state had been taken down and all things defaced. It was reported that, with deep sorrow, Jane withdrew to a private room with her mother and other ladies. But not for long, as Jane's father soon urged all of these women to leave the Tower. As Mary's forces drew nearer, the fallen Queen's attendants, like her mother and father, left all for their own homes, abandoning Jane. Shortly thereafter, Jane became a prisoner, lodged on Tower Green in the custody of the Gowler, Partridge, with only a few of her own attendants, Mistress Ellen, Mistress Tilney, the aforementioned Mistress Jacob, and an unnamed male servant described only as her man. It is difficult to identify these servants or to convincingly establish any prior connection to Jane. It has been suggested that Mistress Ellen, or Alan, in modern spelling, could be a relation of Jane's uncle, Henry Fitzallan, Earl of Arundel. The Mistress Tilney could have been the younger sister of Catherine Tilney, chamberer to Catherine Howard, Henry VIII's fifth wife and queen. All of this of course is guesswork and speculation, so fragmentary is the evidence and so short was Jane's tenure as Queen, that we can only identify so few of the women in her service. Jane stood trial at Guildhall on the 13th of November 1553, with her two gentlewomen following behind her. These gentlewomen were surely Ellen and Tilney, who we know attended to Jane on the scaffold at her execution on the 12th of February 1554. Proceeding from her lodgings on the Tower Green, it was reported that Jane was dressed in the same gown wherein she was arraigned, her countenance nothing abashed, neither her eyes anything moisted with tears, although her two gentlewomen, Mistress Elizabeth Tilney and Mistress Ellen, wonderfully wept, with a book in her hand, whereon she prayed all the way till she came to the said scaffold. Upon the scaffold, Jane stood up and gave her maiden, Mistress Tilney, her gloves and handkerchief. Forthwith she untied her gown. When the executioner went to her to give her help, she refused him, saying to let her alone, turning towards her two gentlewomen who helped her off therewith, and also with her headdress and neckerchief, giving to her a fair handkerchief to knit or knot around her eyes. Jane ties the handkerchief around her eyes and stumbles towards the block. An 1833 oil painting entitled The Execution of Lady Jane Grey by Paul Delaroche illustrates this moment, showing Jane's gentlewoman to be clearly struck with grief. One of them stands facing the wall, fearful and unable to watch, and the other collapsed, overwhelmed, with Jane's gown resting in her lap. Now kneeling towards the block, Jane spoke her last words, before her head was struck off with an axe. It must have been distressing for Ellen and Tilney to witness these harrowing events firsthand. With Mistress Jacob and the unnamed male servant, they had been her only companions and had endured with the fallen queen their imprisonment for nearly seven months. After wrapping Jane's body in cloth and carrying it to be buried at the nearby chapel, Jane's attendants were now finally relieved of their duty. But it was unlikely that they would soon forget their mistress, who had met such a tragic end. Thank you for listening. If you would like to read more on Lady Jane Grey, I would highly recommend the biographies by Nicola Tallis, Leander Delisle, and Eric Ives, which have been essential in my research of Jane's household. You can also read this article and many more about Jane on TudorsDynasty.com. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Tudors Dynasty podcast. You can follow and support the Tudors Dynasty podcast on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Patreon at TudorsDynasty.